Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and today my guest is Gabby Bernstein, who's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a motivational speaker, spiritual leader, and podcast host of Dear Gabby. And we're having such a cool conversation because I don't typically sit as comfortably in the areas that are less scientific. And we really started this conversation with my admitting that this is a little bit of a less comfortable space for me. And yet I really want to be open to it. And so Gabby was the perfect person. And just a fun fact, Oprah Winfrey named Gabby Bernstein as a new thought leader and new role model. Her experience working through her own traumas And moving on to the other side is a part of her new book, Happy Days. And I just want to go over a couple of things that Gabby mentions in case you don't know what they are. One of the references that she makes is to IFS. IFS is referring to a therapeutic model called internal family systems. And it's an evidence-based model of psychotherapy with a paradigm for understanding and integrating mind, body, spirit. Another thing she mentions is EMDR. EMDR therapy is another approach to treating trauma. It's an evidence-based approach. EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So if you're interested in any of those things, they're really wonderful and We're going to have other episodes just targeting those particular therapeutic models. Having said that, we're just touching on them a little bit today in the context of Gabby's experience. And I just wanted you to be aware of what those acronyms were. And if you're enjoying these episodes, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. And if you write a review and screenshot it and DM me on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast, I'm going to be sending 10 of you a free Raising Good Humans mug if you're comfortable sending me your private address. Again, take a picture of the review that you wrote in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Screenshot it, DM me on at Raising Good Humans Podcast. And with my new mugs that say Raising Good Humans, which are the perfect morning, or if you're me, afternoon and night coffee mugs, I'll send you one. And don't forget to subscribe to my bulletin, com 
for more tips, answering your listener Q&As, summaries of the podcast episodes with specific tips and follow-up of practical tools to take away for birth through adolescence. What you read in Happy Days is a spiritual person's guided path through profoundly spiritual therapeutic processes. Mm. And so while you lean on the science, your intuition, your inner guidance system led you to the specific science that you've chosen to follow and let that work through you truly as a profoundly spiritual connection to your clients and to your listeners. And so you may think, okay, I'm not spiritual, but you really are. You're listening, you're guided. And the framework with which we teach and with, with which we serve is merely a outline for us to riff between the lines. And so when I hear your podcast, what I hear is someone who has this beautiful framework that's, that's truthful, that's based in science and that works, and then just infuses it with your own energy. And so you are wrong. You are a spiritual person. (laughs) (laughs) Call it what you want. I mean, I have never thought about, which is so ridiculous, but I have never thought about like, why am I so obsessed with this particular, you know, thinking so deeply about our experiences as children and babies and our experiences as adults and what clicked so beautifully for me when I started thinking about just human development. Of course, it's spiritual. These profound therapeutic processes that I was spiritually guided to in my trauma recovery from childhood sexual abuse and, and, and unresolved dissociated memory, tr- truly, are all, in my opinion, very spiritually based therapeutic processes, EMDR, somatic experiencing, EFT, IFS for freaking sure. I mean, I said to Dick after the training, I said, listen, man, I was like, your (laughs) spirit guides worked through you to download this material. And in clinical spaces, I don't think that's a conversation that's had, but I'm going to have that. I'm going to say, I I have, I have the the ability to say that out loud, that he is, he is a profound channel. And that's the thing. I think that that there's a lot of, you just made a strategic point that in your field, there's, there's not enough freedom to recognize the spiritual realm and that intuitive capacity. But what if it merged? What if, when intuition and science merge, IFS is born. Mm. So if you don't give voice to that, then what are we talking about here? No, it's true. And actually it's funny because I go, I wear different hats. And when I'm in the space where I'm surrounded by folks who are in very specifically in my field or some adjacent version of it. And there it's like a research conference or in the hospital setting, I feel rebellious. And I want to say like, guys, we have to stop, you know, with all the caveats and the, this and the, that, and like, we're talking about like these very minutiae details of statistical analyses to just make a broader point. That's really about human beings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think all the science and the lexicon around it can sometimes become another form of a protector part. Completely. I mean, certainly for me, I feel incredibly safe talking the science and then I, I don't feel as safe. I feel like, oh, if people are in my care and I'm not, and I don't have the backing of the science, 
what if I'm wrong? Hmm. You know, and then, so I think, what if I'm, and by the way, as you know, much of the science, especially when it comes to this work, it's dynamic, it's changing. We're wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. But like, I've, I've somehow that feels more safe versus saying something where I'm like, but I have no, you know, like there aren't 60 papers to back this up. It's so funny right now that you and I are in these like very opposite positions where I'm now dipping my toe into the science and have like a very big desire to get more and more education, maybe even further that education to who knows where it's going to take me. And then I feel very grounded and rooted in the spiritual faith. And so we're in these different places. But what I have found in my position of seeking a greater awareness and understanding of how I'm going to present and teach these therapeutic principles one, yes, of course, getting educated. You know, like Dick was like, I want you to do the level. I was like, I'm doing it, okay? Of course, because you got to, you know, really understand what you're talking about. But more importantly than the education is the experience of it. Mm, tell me more. I've been in IFS therapy with my therapist for over, for nearly a decade. Mm-hmm. So, and for many years, didn't even realize it until I started studying Dick's work. And I was like, holy shit, that's what I've been doing in my therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> I really would say that for you right now, it's about exploring as much as you feel called to what the spiritual practices mean to you and develop what that means to you. I mean, says you, said, you said you're doing meditation and mindfulness and that's your gateway in and there's no wrong it's way. Just, and the, the bottom line is no matter what we do, whether a therapist or, or an author or a spiritual teacher, we teach from the seat of what we believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot more freedom to do that because I don't have credentials like you. And so in a way that's, it's a gift that I'm reversing that now and not earlier in my career because it helped me be more untethered. But you know, that's the funny thing about happy days. It's like all the therapy. And, and therapists and, and psychiatrists and everyone that I recommend in my book mm-hmm. are extraordinarily spiritual humans that may not speak that lexicon in, in their clinical settings, but that they, in their, you know, in their dinner parties and in their meditation pillow, yeah. I can guarantee you there is a deep faith. You know, uh, Peter Levine, we've got, you know, Dick Schwartz, you've got Dan Siegel in this book. You know, my EMDR practitioner is an extraordinarily spiritual human. And so I would just, you know, I would just say that, that there is no disconnect in some of these therapeutic processes from the spiritual realm, which may not be spoken about. And now a short break so I can tell you about my sponsors. It is such an honor to have Once Upon a Farm as a sponsor because it's the leading baby food and kids snacks company offering organic cold-pressed fruit and veggie blends, dairy-free smoothies, overnight oats, meals, and more. I love Once Upon a Farm. Their products are made with whole organic farm fresh ingredients, no added sugars, concentrates, or anything artificial. And some of the flavors are just really hard to find, even if you could go to the market every day and cold press everything by hand. Their new immunity blends are made with nutrition-packed fruits and veggies like elderberry and dragon fruit, my 15-year-old daughter's personal favorite, and added probiotics to help support your little ones, or again, my teenager, for the chili season or any reason. Plus, it tastes delicious. 
Immunity Blends are clean label products certified, which means they've been third-party tested for over 400 environmental and industrial toxins, including heavy metals. Their subscription offering is fully customizable. I love a subscription offering because if it's customizable, you can pick and choose from the wide variety of blends and meals, switch it up before every delivery, get the amount that is actually realistic for your needs, but not have to constantly do an order. So from farm to fridge, it's convenience without compromise. My kids are 15 and 12, and I made them try this because I had to know if I could honestly say this is a delicious snack for teens and tweens, not just for tots. And in fact, they loved it. And we now are subscribers ourselves, and there are no little people in this house. So get started today and enjoy an additional 30% off your first subscription order. Use the code HUMANS at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. I am a toothy person. Smiles are super important to me. And I love it, except for when I've whitened my teeth, the utter discomfort is just too much for me. Here's something I didn't know until I learned about it from Lumino. 98% of oral bacteria are good for you. They're actually essential for your oral health, which makes sense because we certainly know that all bacteria being bad is a total myth. So of course that's going to be true in your mouth as well. In addition to keeping the good bacteria for oral health, I like some whitening and my teens like some whitening, but it's not good for them. Usually here I have a new solution, which is that Lumino makes toothpaste, mouthwash and whitening that are totally new and different can improve your oral health. And the ingredients are purposeful and uncompromising like sea salt, aloe and coconut oil, which cleans and brightens your smile. And it's completely certified non-toxic. There are no harsh chemicals, no bleaches of any kind in any of Lumino's products and everything is dentist formulated. So you can actually love the whitening. It doesn't send that awful feeling into your teeth and you can feel safe giving it to your teens. It only takes 30 minutes to apply and it brightens your smile with no sensitivity. Find Lumino on amazon.com and get $7 off today. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X. Remember, it's spelled with an X so you can X out the harm. Lumino, dedicated to illuminating better ideas in oral care. Will you define spirituality? Because I think starting from there, as as simple as that sounds, I think that word for some of us is incredibly unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to go there. To define it in a way that you know it to be true. So for years, I was defi- I could define spirituality as the compassionate caring connection to an ever-present source of love that is within us and around us. Now, trained in IFS, I can call it self with a capital S. When we have a direct access to the inner wisdom within ourselves that is intuitive, that is curious, that is compassionate, that is courageous, we have what's known in in IFS as self-energy and it's in the spiritual world, it's called higher self. Connecting to that inner steadiness, the connection that we've always had, but we've 
built up all these forms of protection to protect against these fragmented pieces of who we are. And so the more we develop that connection to spirituality or to self with a capital S, the more direct access we have to it, the more we can let that part of ourselves lead our life rather than the fearful parts of ourselves. And it's really about letting that compassionate, kind, courageous energy be the leader. So this may be a question that goes, you know, it's not super linear, but you said something and you've mentioned this before that, that intuition part. And I think what you've expressed a lot and what I would love for you to expand on is understanding that self with a capital S and listening to that you said it so clearly, and now I can't remember any of the words. The, the in, inner guidance system, mm-hmm. compassion, curiosity, yep. Because those are all of the same, again, same words, same or same ideas that we're thinking about raising our kids. Like we, mm-hmm. if we know that we're raising our kids with an inner guide that has all those traits and has really like in, you know, that, that we are in tune as we are growing up instead of getting retuned later. Yes what you've talked about and what I think we should name is that depending on what your experience, early experiences were in trauma and fill in whatever blank makes sense for you. Sometimes your inner guide, it isn't really your inner guide. It's not get your intuition is off. It's leading your nervous system is moving you in a direction that feels like home, but isn't Mm -hmm, self-compassion. How do you distinguish between the inner guide the nervous system direction, like the, sure, nobody, nobody can see us right now, but I'm, I'm moving like, as if your body is leaning you in a particular direction, it feels like intuition. It is intuition, but it's, it's not the deeper intuition that is absent of, or having faced the trauma that might make your, what feels like home to you, mm-hmm. not the direction you want to go in. So IFS is based on the premise that we have these exiled child parts of ourselves that we lock the door on and we say, absolutely not. You know, the parts that were bullied, the parts that were sexually abused, the parts that had alcoholic parents, all the big T and small T trauma parts from childhood are said, "Mm, nope, not going there. And then we build up all these different protector parts to anesthetize and numb out any sensation of those child parts. So protectors are all of the ways that we act out in our avoided attachment styles and all the ways that we act out in our anxious attachment styles. They're the addicts, the drug addict, the alcoholic, those are protector parts. The workaholic is a protector part. The rager, the controller, the part of you that is constantly managing, managing, managing. And the point here, I'm glad that we started by talking about spirituality and self because when you have this idea that, okay, I'm not this mono human, but I've got all these separate parts of me and my protectors are working so hard to push down those child parts. When we recognize that and we can see ourselves in that way, we can then work to access that self adult resourced, undamaged, compassionate, caring part of ourselves and start to bring that self energy into the way that we treat our internal system. And the reason it's called internal family systems, and this is my opinion, and I believe it's true, is that when we let self be the leader, self becomes the internal parent. And so when we start to speak to our addiction with compassion and curiosity, we start saying to our addiction, all right, 
food addiction, you know, what do you want me to know right now? And I, I have a lot of compassion for you. What do you need from me? Then what happens is, is we start to establish this direct line of connection from all of these extreme roles that we've been playing to this very steady, safe, internal parent that all of our children want, but most importantly, all the little inner children desperately need. So I believe that if your desire is to be a a great parent, the first step is to become the most profound, confident, compassionate, courageous parent to your inner children. And the other thing is, is everyone can take everything they learn from you and apply it to themselves. Mm-hmm. which is actually what I did in the book. I took, I took the four S's from, C, from Dan Siegel and I made a whole chapter on reparenting yourself because I was reading Dan Siegel's work when I became a parent and I was obsessed and I was obsessed and I was like, wait, what if I asked myself what I needed to feel secure and how, what if I soothed myself, you know? And so take everything you're learning from this podcast listeners and apply it on yourself first. Try it on yourself first. And the, the wild thing about that is such a good point is that, and Dan Siegel makes this point all the time, like the biggest predictor, not to use the science words, I'm just trying to strip myself. No, but no, I no, there's, think, there's spirit in the science, babes. Don't, don't deny it. There, there is. I'm just going to let that, I'll just that be yeah, let it go because actually that's what I tune into you for. I'm like, I want to hear this fascinating backup to what I'm experiencing. And there's spirit in the science. Just give it to me. Okay. Okay. Um, that the biggest, I love that. And I like the reverse of it too. So the biggest predictor of your attachment approach with your child and what that attachment relationship will be is not that you had a secure attachment growing up or that you are, you know, taking great parenting classes. It's that you have come to terms with your own experience being parented, whatever that means, whether it was a wonderful experience or a traumatic experience or a little bit of everything, that coming to terms with it is the biggest predictor. Absolutely. The more work that my husband and I do in therapy, the better parents we become because we can see so clearly how the, in my case, insecure attachment style and in his case, avoidant attachment styles that were imprinted on us as children can play out in our marriage, can play out in our parenting style. And so the more awareness you have mm-hmm. and the more compassion you have towards it, the, the more likely you are to do some work around it. And the more likely you are to be able to spot it in the moment when your kid's having a meltdown and you just want to run away. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I can look at my avoided attachment right now. Right. So, you know, and I, I can see really clearly that all the devotional, therapeutic, and spiritual work that I've done on myself has given me this great gift of being a very conscious parent and a very secure parent. And now we're going to take a little break so that I can tell you about my sponsor, KiwiCo. KiwiCo is just defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and fun. And there are super cool hands-on projects that are designed to create a lifelong love for learning for kids and grown-ups and grown-ups with kids. And here is the thing. I am such a big proponent of play and free play and open-ended play and using found materials. 
The thing is that there are times when you resort to turning on the screens because you just don't have the energy for all of that. KiwiCo is the perfect solution because it delivers enriching hands-on experiences that'll spark curiosity, inspire creativity, but don't require any work on your part. Kids can discover the engineering, the mechanics, behind everyday objects, the science of chemistry, of cooking, geography, culture, you name it, art and design, and all these hands-on projects. They can guide themselves or you can do with them but it's just a great opportunity to let yourself off the hook. I've got some artists in this house. I make them try the project so I can make sure that they're as fun as they seem, just in case my gauge is off. We did a paper mache globe and it's just really tactile and everything's manageable. I have older kids They definitely don't mind being my guinea pigs. And when their younger stepsister is around, they get to bring her super fun projects. Your child can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. They'll be super excited to see that it arrives. It's for them. The materials are high quality. And though I'm such a fan of open-ended play and of parallel play and of connecting through play. I'm also a realist and it is nice when it's all packaged and taken care of for you. KiwiCo does the legwork so you can spend quality time tackling projects together or doing your own thing. Redefine learning with play, explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping at any crate line with the code HUMANS at kiwico.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com, promo code HUMANS. Let's use that screaming kid just as an example of something that's really concrete that you write about, which is simply identifying your triggers. Yep, yep. Noticing how you feel and then how you react or ultimately respond. I'm always focusing on how I'm co-regulating with him. Great. So if he's freaking out and I'm rushing to get somewhere and I have got, I'm on the phone or I'm not focusing on him, then he's going to keep freaking out. So my response to a three-year-old meltdown is to get immediately grounded in my self-energy, which much easier for me than it might be for somebody else that hasn't done any work on themselves, but I've been practicing this for, you know, two decades. And I, you know, whatever it is that you use to ground yourself, but for me, it's a breath. For me, it's a prayer. For me, it's, it's a heart hold, putting my right hand on my heart, my left hand on my belly. It's just, just, it's just, you know, and for me, it's also just this like deep compassionate part of who I am. It's the self energy that comes in. And instead of seeing my child as a as an annoying three year old having a tantrum, I see him as a, a beautiful soul who is trying to express himself and doesn't yet have the brain capacity to do it, doesn't yet have the vo- the the words to do it. And I literally get on my knees, put him in my arms, hold him close, tell him his feelings are beautiful, that I want him to express exactly how he feels, and most importantly, I just co regulate in my steadiness he becomes steady too. And then, you know, it's, 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 it's Dan Siegel, it's connect and redirect. And so then, then I go into this morning. It happened this morning. Perfect example. 
kids freaking out. I don't even remember what he was freaking out about. I literally, oh, because he was sick yesterday and we don't give him television unless it's 15 minutes at night on the TV, not on a device. But when he's sick, it's just a real, a real easy way to just let him just settle his body. Of course. But that 24 hours after the sick day is back into the addiction loop. Paw Patrol. No, he goes, Patrol, 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 Mommy. You know, Ruby Strawberry Smoothie, Patrol, on the couch. And it's like 8 a.m. and we don't do that. And so he's crying and freaking and freaking. And so I, I then say, when he feels, when he seems settled enough, I say, okay, okay come to Mommy. I'm going to hold you. And I hold, him, I hold him in my arms and I just give him a lot of self-energy. And then when I notice that he's calmed down, connected, I said to him, can we go make a dinosaur castle? with the magnet tiles. And he's like, yeah. And that's all he wanted. I mean, that's way much, he wants that way more than Paw Patrol. Mm -hmm. And so we built a dinosaur castle with magnet tiles this morning. Does that work like that beautifully every single time? (laughs) No, but most of the time it does. If it doesn't, if he's not responding to my self-energy, then I just hold him a little longer. (laughs) You know, I'm not gonna shun, shame, or push away his big emotions. It is my spiritual practice to be steady in the presence of his big emotions. Which again is the gift so that when you have big emotions, you do not feel as an adult that there's something wrong or right about them. They just are. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was steady next to you through those, it's like you said, inviting in insecure attachment or inviting in whatever those feelings Asking are. Asking it what it needs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's also very triggering when our children our child is our greatest teacher because this child is revealing to us the unresolved parts of who we are. And not that they have those unresolved parts, but their fears or their experiences or just their presence alone can be so activating to an internal system that isn't fully resolved because it makes us feel out of control. And that feeling of out of control sends us into our alcoholism or whatever it is. So bottom line, coming back to it, you know, happy days, every, the, everything I put into this book is the guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace, which is the subtitle. And there's no way in hell I would put my face on the cover of this book if I hadn't lived it fully with that subtitle on it. But this is a journey of undoing those patterns so that you can reparent yourself and come out the other side. In that steadiness, you become a blessing to every human around you. So Everything you learn from this book will be first and foremost for you, but then absolutely can be easily translated into the process with your child. You know, and and if breathwork isn't working for all three-year-olds, because full disclosure, the co-regulation that you experienced, yeah, that may not be that you may have a kid who doesn't want to be held, that their version of co-regulation yes. is that you sit there and present and with them. You're just present, but you are, they, they're just not, they're not interested in the touch part or it might be they absolutely need the touch or they just can't regulate. Those are not things that we get day one of having a kid. It's like we're unfolding as parents. We're born at the same time as they are as parents and we figure it out along the way. So this is what's working for you and what's working for him. And probably because you have these practices that are just you embody and you've been living them for so long he will have an easier time picking up on them. If that makes sense. And other people won't. And so we have to practice. As you and Dan talk about, they're so spongy. So they, they're so spongy. That's so cool. So 
it's our job to just direct their sponge towards what's going to be supportive and soothing for them. I also think the more we recognize our own historical wounds, the more we can really make the commitment to our children that we won't do that to them. But I really believe that the number one commitment is to heal those wounds in ourselves so that we don't unconsciously do it to them. Even the process of noticing the trigger. Noticing the trigger. Yep. So, so let Leah, let me just talk through that moment, right? So your kids melting down, you start to feel super activated. You have all different, we all have different kinds of responses to that. Some might be um, anxious, some might be shunning and, 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 and yell, some, some might run away. You know, we've got a lot of ways that we respond, typically the ways that, they, that we were responded to. And the first step would be to notice the trigger and notice where it is in your body and to start to get curious about it in the presence of your child while they're having their meltdown. Maybe you sit down on the floor just so that your presence is now lower or you yeah. remove them and put them into a smaller space with you and just sit there, there with them on the floor while you do this process and start to notice the trigger and notice where it lives in your body. Just notice how it feels in your body. And you can do all this, all this while the kid's just having their experience. And in the moment, just ask the trigger part, whatever it needs, what does it need from you right now? What does it need from that self part of you? And it may say, I just need to take a deep breath. I may need, I need, I need to just close my eyes for a second. I need, you got plenty of time. The kid's going to keep melting. It's, right. There, that is, there is no time. <laughs> all I need is your presence right now. No rush. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and just continue to notice and check in with the trigger and just start to get, befriend the trigger. You know, hey, trigger, like, you're showing me something, you're revealing me something. Be curious about it. Be compassionate towards it. You know what? Like this is human. I'm a parent. It's really hard to be a parent. It's scary. This is bringing up all my own shit. Wow. And then, you know, just continue that process of being curious about it and being compassionate towards it and really just being present with it helps you co-regulate your internal system and your inner children. And then the next thing is go to your child. And I want, you know, just be in their presence with that curiosity and that compassion and that desire to know more and sit with them. Like you said, if they're not a touch child or if they are someone that wants to get in and cuddle, you hold them close or you can just even just hold their hand. You can take a deep breath and exhale. I, whenever I'm holding my kid, I take really long, deep breaths. Yes. Instantly. <sighs> his breath just changes instantly. That is actual co-regulation right that there. That is actual co-regulation right there. And so it's just about applying the same principles that you would give to them, to yourself first and then to them because it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It becomes a beautiful practice for your own connection to your inner children. And it's just, it's just so soothing to you to be able to parent from that place rather than the activated triggered state. Which then often sends, and this has been the past couple of years has been, I haven't, I've heard so much from parents are just like, I'm the worst parent. That sentence comes out of everybody's mouth so much right now because everybody's a little bit heightened and it's been pretty chronic at this point. It's not like this acute experience that collective experience. It's been two years. And so now you're, on edge to begin with. And then trying to like, even my shoulders are up from thinking about it. But then if something happens with your child, it's even more important to take the time, even if it feels like 
forever because they're melting down to take the time because we are climbing up a bigger mountain right now to get regulated. And how can we help any child regulate if we're not regulated? And also we won't always be. So like there's room for Oh yeah. I mean, that's where the repair comes in that you always teach us. You know, it's like, do you mind that I'm cursing on this show? I think it's, you know, there might be kids listening. I'll try not. I'll say in the, I I don't think a lot of kids, if, if kids are not really listening, (laughs) (laughs) they're just in the background. They're just on patrol in the background. (laughs) Patrol. That's how we call patrol. Yeah. So I won't curse, but you know, you're you're welcome to curse. We, we're, we're going to fuck up. That's the curse. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> and you have taught us so wisely that when we make that repair, it's so powerful for our child to see that we're human. It's so beautiful. You know, uh, my kid, my kids, you know, will say like, he just repeats everything that we do. You know, I'm so sad. I'm so this. And then we say like, yeah, now mommy's actually moved out of that sad and she's in a good place. And, you know, so it's just so profound to show them all of who we are. It just shows that feelings are so temporary. Like that tiny bit of information that you're sprinkling in the system of of your household and the water and the air is like, if you think about, it seems so small, but the thing that's scary about feelings is the thought that it will never be anything but what it is right in that moment. And the beauty of like, and bait, like a three-year-old absolutely doesn't know that right now isn't going to last forever. And a high schooler doesn't know that right now isn't going to last forever. So to have a constant daily reminder that you're going to move through different feelings and they're not permanent is like, again, instead of having to fix that misinterpretation of feelings as an adult, because it takes a really long time as an adult to realize that feelings aren't fixed forever. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't for kids. They think that more because of the way their brains are developing. But to have the modeling of mom saying, that was how I was feeling. And now here's how I'm feeling. That's just like, to learn that feelings are temporary is just, you know, on the list of top five gifts. The greatest gift of resilience that you're going to give that child because they can be in that space and then they can know that they can come out of it safely and that they can not be afraid of it and not judge it and not push it down. One of the things that I've noticed in my communication style to my child is is very uh, judged by others in my life who will remain nameless who have different parenting styles or none at all. I don't know what their style is. I guess it's a style, but, but to just say like, oh, you never say no to him. You never say no to him. And I just respond and I'm like, I say no to him all the time, but you just don't hear it because I'm not yelling. It's just, it's just, you know, it's like the best negotiating strategy is to say, how about this? Like, instead of saying no, how about this is the, this is a negotiating strategy I've been using in my career for 20 years. Right. Of, you know, when people ask me to do something or they ask me for something right now, I'm going to email somebody back. They're asking me for something that's just like not even slightly within the realm of what I would do. And I'm going to say, well, how about this? And it's the same as a kid, you know, how yeah, about yeah. this? So that's a positive opposite, basically. I mean, you really are just framing, I'm not going to bother explaining the the no because it's embedded in the response that I'm giving you, which is what we can do. Or Absolutely. In the, when and you're not going to love that right away. And so that's a sign then that you need to do a little bit more co-regulating. And that's a sign that they need a little bit more space to just cry it through them completely with your presence steady with them. 
And that's just a sign that they just need a little bit more focus and, and, and on, on where they're at in that moment. And then when they're truly connected once again, as, as Stan would say, then they can be redirected. And then how about this? Then we'll really work. Right. And I guess it's fair to say we have to define what work means. Like if you're not afraid of the feelings, because right, people say that all the time. Like I tried this and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. How you, Gabby, you respond or view working may be different because you may sit more comfortably with the fact that he's not pleased with the decision that you made, but you, your world isn't turned upside down by that because you've come to terms with that. And it's not always going to work, but what might work in that moment is that he's experiencing a moment of not getting what he wants, which is excellent because he's learning that he's not going to always get what he wants. And he's not going to break if he doesn't. And he's not going to break if he doesn't. He's experiencing disappointment. Mm -hmm. That was the word I was looking for. He's experiencing disappointment. And that feeling of disappointment is so crucial for his development. So that if he knows that feeling of disappointment and he knows that he can come out of it, that he'll be completely free from the expectation that the world has to fix everything for him. But resilience rests on relationships and there is nothing, there is no way to have resilience without relationships and there's no way to have resilience without the disrepair and there's no way to wait until, you know, high school when we can't manage or control the experience of our children anymore. Like what, what's going to happen to them if their, you know, girlfriend dumps them or if they're, they didn't get a part in the school play or whatever, those things that feel so, or somebody's bullying them, like just Mm -hmm. the the inevitable experiences. If you didn't get disappointed that you didn't get to keep your pacifier forever or that you didn't watch Patrol. Patrol. You didn't get to live those experiences. It's a little bit like, I guess it would be akin to having meditation practices every day to teach your brain that you can get into the, you know, you can regulate and lift those, I guess that's the gym, right? You're working out at the gym. Lift them up with you, yeah. So those those small moments with your son or with our kids where they're experiencing disappointment are muscle builders for resilience. They are muscle builders for resilience. You know, I had severe postpartum depression. It was so severe. And that's another thing that if it, it, there's so much trauma for mamas around the birthing experience, the postpartum experience, the, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I did a year of IVF and then was pregnant for five and a half months. And just two and a half months ago, I lost the baby. Um, I didn't lose him. He was still alive. I had to let him go because he wasn't getting what he needed from me. And so hence the kitten, but the trauma that we go through is so much more severe when we haven't resolved the trauma from our, our, our childhood. And so I can say that that horrific experience that so many of your listeners have experienced of losing a child. And at that point, I was five and a half months. So it was like my 20 week scan and I found out. And that experience for me was most importantly, this profound experience of how strong my faith is. It was, I keep saying that my faith, I fell into a pillow of faith 
And I was walking around and I was like, holy shit, Gabby, this is what you've been training for. Because I knew in that moment that there's another soul coming to me. It might come in the form of this kitten. It might come in the form of another baby that whatever the universe has in store for me, whatever God has in store for me is coming. And I can say that with full conviction. And that's two decades of of spiritual practice. So I guess the point is, is that one, it really helps being a parent with the spiritual foundation and and a personal growth foundation. And two, the more work we do, even before we have children, the easier it will be. Mm. But yeah, the mamas need a lot of love. Mamas need a lot of love. And I'm so sorry. That is just, I did know that. I didn't realize the timeline was so recent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all good. You know, I, I actually feel really freaking good and I can see the order in all of it. I really can. I really can. I mean that with all of my heart. Mm. The silence around what moms experience is really jarring. And I think we probably have more access to more stories and more experiences from people, but so many experience this and it's, there's still, which I'm not quite sure I grasp shame around it. And there's still, but I think it's probably just nobody wants to go there in their own body. Like, you know, I just had to, I noticed that, and this happens a lot, right? You mentioned putting your hand on your heart and your stomach to sort of regulate yourself. It's like when you hear about something that you are terrified to feel that someone else felt or is going through, sometimes it's easier to just. Oh yeah. You know, it's interesting in my, in my book, Happy Days, I wrote a chapter called Don't Call Me Crazy. And it tells the story of accepting the diagnosis of postpartum anxiety, depression, and insomnia. But it took me four months to get the diagnosis because I was so deeply embedded in that wellness world and the spiritual world that like, okay, I can fix this with meditation and I can fix this with, with, uh, you know, supplements and I can fix, and the shame around medication and the shame around the diagnosis. But for me, it was more the shame around the medication because, you know, here I was, for decades, like, you know, teaching people spiritual principles. And when people come to me with depression or anxiety, they tried this meditation. And I didn't realize in that moment that I was 100% part of the stigma because I was literally like telling a depressed person to meditate. When you are having a biochemical condition, that meditation ain't going to work. Not until you get to a baseline of safety. Antidepressants saved my life. And then the thing that was most profound about that experience was that my psychiatrist said to me, When you take this, she's like, you've done so much therapeutic and spiritual work in your life and you've gotten really far, but this medication will give you such a strong baseline of safety that it will help you do the deeper work that you haven't been able to do yet. And for me, that was, that was a gift. That was a tremendous gift because with that new regulated, calmer, no anxiety state, I went really deep into the EMDR, the SE, the IFS, and just places that I couldn't have ever. I I mean, I would have gotten there, but it might not have been as easy to access. I'm so glad you said that because it is another one of those things where it's like toggling between knowing that there's so much you can do to honor your body and your mind and your system and your soul, and also 
there are times when you need medication and we are so lucky that science has it. So um, it's kind of back to what we were saying. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's kind of back to what we were saying earlier about the spirit being in the science. Mm -hmm. I believe that God is in the medication because these are all just sort of symbols for our steadfast journey to develop our inner connection to spiritual gut self, whatever you want to call it. And so when I decided to take the medication, I decided to see it as God being in the psychiatrist, God being in the medication, God being in the diagnosis. And I look back now and say, I would not, the postpartum experience was the most horrific experience of my life. I still have PTSD about it that I need to work on, that I am working on, but it's the greatest turning point in my life because it was a vehicle through which I could use something I never, ever, ever would have contemplated to help me get to a new baseline to do the deeper work I had to do. So we can't judge our experiences in life and we can't judge what we're guided to. We have to show up for the guidance and we have to use it to get closer to that connection of inner safety. Like you said, I think there's a whole entire wellness industry that, you know, without someone, it's dangerous. And without someone like you being able to say yes and, Mm -hmm. it's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for saying that. Yeah, you know, I've really um, been very outspoken about my diagnosis and my use of the medication in the pursuit of helping that other spiritually inclined person who, I don't want to do air quotes necessarily, but that spiritually inclined person that is like just trying to ashwagandha their way out of it. And that's, you know, that's there for a reason in some, some instances, but when you're having a biochemical condition, you need psychiatric support. And not to feel ashamed that it's part of what you need. And that's the main reason I've spoken out about this is to just just shift the shame. I am so deeply grateful to have been on this show. The beautiful moment where we recognized that my you know insecurity around the the science and your feelings around the spiritual. It's so beautiful that we could be this steady presence for each other and teacher to each other. And I have I learned so much from you from your podcast, and I adore you. And I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more, there is an extra 10 minutes on dralisa.bulletin.com in the premium subscription. And as always, I love hearing from you and have a wonderful week.